What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, joining me is Brent Zimmerman. Interesting guy. He started his own brewery, and he did this after working years on Wall Street, managing his own hedge fund, really living that corporate world, and then said, okay, I want to do this and went, got his business partners and actually created Saucy Brewworks. So we talk about the journey to creating, you know, your own brewery, really looking at creating that the pubs themselves. He's now created a couple of them, you know, working on expanding the footprint of the beer. Just a cool story on, you know, coming back after or working in Manhattan and coming back to his home state, betting on himself and then kind of putting the work in. So if you're a beer drinker, you're going to love it. But if you're a fan of entrepreneurship and growing companies, I think you're going to like this one no matter what. Alrighty, sit back and enjoy this show. Brent, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? I am doing well. Happy we got to uh, chat a little bit there off air, get a little bit of your story, uh, hear about Saucy Brew Works. But why don't you set the table? For us, give us kind of your background, how you got into brewing beer and the, the brewery space. Yeah, and then and we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks for having me. I had no experience, exposure, et cetera, to the, to the brewery, bar, restaurant industry whatsoever, other than I drank and ate food. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up working at a big mutual fund company in Boston. I worked on Wall Street in New York. Came back to Cleveland. I grew up in Ohio. Helped uh, run the fixed income business at Victory Capital. That I uh, came back to Cleveland for an opportunity to run a fixed income business, which is it was like 27 years old at the time. Um, and so I, you know, I worked for this big Wall Street firm that has thousands and thousands of employees, Credit Suisse, which actually just got bought by UBS because it went under. Um, and had an opportunity to come back to my home state, probably earlier than I'd wanted to. I was living in New York City. I, you know, it was kind of fun, right? But also, also knew that I didn't want to live in New York my entire life. So we came back, uh, myself and a, and a business partner, and kind of fixed that business. Key had a, some strategic investors and in some of the different products that ended up um, seeding us for a long short credit hedge fund inside the bank, which the, uh, that's 2007 timeframe. 08 happened, shit hits the fan. We did extremely well in 08 and 09. Most funds either got it right one or the other years. So then Dodd-Frank happened. Most people, places, things were affected in a negative way because of Dodd-Frank. We were actually, in my mind, a positive because the bank said, you know, because of the capital hits we have to take, we're no longer going to have private equity or hedge funds and stuff like that inside of our bank. You're free to go your own way or you can run the mutual fund business. We wanted to go our own way anyway. And a couple of clients seated us. I set that backdrop just because you know I had nothing to do with the industry. And then while working on our own fund, which you know at one point reached close to a billion dollars in assets in Cleveland, imagine that there's a billion dollar hedge fund in Cleveland. I was kind of asked to seed an, another brewery that was starting at the time. And myself and business partner, Eric Anderson, who is now my business partner, did a lot of work around, you know, kind of what they were wanting to do, et cetera. And I decided I didn't want to do it with them, but I wanted to do it. And at the time, Eric was working for another uh, brewery, promised a bunch of things that, that never came to fruition. And we started our own thing. So in 15, something odd, you know, some middle 15, let's call it, we started searching for a building, the whole real estate background that I had and whatever, remodeled and, and open saucy in, in 2017. So, I mean, it's a really, it was never, just like you said, never intentional to be in the space whatsoever. I've learned a ton over the past six, seven years, but, but that's kind of how it came to fruition. Not intentional whatsoever. I don't know. If, hopefully that answers your question. That's unreal. One, so you're in this other world, the Wall Street world, you know, 
wearing the suit every day, going in, living in spreadsheets, excels your life. Like you've got all these models. Yeah. So (laughs) now, you know, you fast forward and you're thinking, all right, a brewery sounds cool. We can do this. How much emphasis did you put on the numbers making sense before you went into it? Or was there a little bit of, I'm kind of tired with this finance world and I just want to take on this challenge? Or was this like, okay, I've got to outline everything perfectly. We've got the deal set up. I know we can make this, you know, solvent in X months type thing. Yeah, I would say a little bit of both. I was kind of tired of doing what I was doing. The industry was changing a lot. I was tired of my business partner. And this just happened to come during that time period. And we modeled the hell out of it, but we were wrong (laughs) by a lot, (laughs) both on how much it would cost, how long it would take, you know, all those kind of things. You know, anybody that a lot of college kids at Case or Miami or whatever ask for advice about, I always tell them like, it's going to cost at least as twice as much as you think it's going to. And it's going to take at least twice as long as you think it's going to. That's the best advice I can give you. And you're going to get told no a million times. You just have to persevere through that and think that your idea is good. So we planned a ton around models and branding and all that stuff. But a lot of it gets thrown to the wayside when all of a sudden you're in the middle of a construction project. And by the way, this is going to cost 2x what you guys thought it was going to do. And so you scramble to get the bank to kind of continue to sign off, raise more equity, continue construction, so on and so forth. So it's a pretty stressful thing to go through. It's, it's a great learning exercise, but I think it's like one of those best laid plans. Like the minute a spreadsheet is printed, it's worthless. Right. Sure. It gives you great guidance, especially if you have a bunch of historical data, like when your business is existing and running, it's very helpful, but it, you know, you're wrong the day it's printed kind of thing. You just get better at predicting what's going to happen every year that you do it because of all the challenges and times you failed the prior five years, really at the end of the day. It's, it's kind of like a boxer who slips a punch and they're like, I've seen that jab before. So maybe yeah. I won't take it full on this time in the face. I'll take it off this side or I'll That's slip. Right. I'll take it. And That's a good analogy. just from seeing the punches thrown, right? And right. there'll always be new ones. You expect some new ones, but I'm with you on that. I do think, I think there's value in going through the exercise of doing yeah. planning, but I'm with you that once you hit live, like, things go wild. Then it's just like, okay, well that costs two X or (laughs) we lost however much beer in this run because it got spoiled or whatever, or machinery broke down that we didn't expect. And the first week of we were in business, the first day we were in business, the opening to the public and our power goes out. Right. And we lose a batch, our first batch of IPA that we brewed. We, our taps, in the Ohio City pub are all stainless steel, which I don't think anyone else in the country has. It's amazing and it, it's expensive, but it, the quality is awesome because of it. They weren't even done being welded to the tab while we're having a marketing meeting with the people that came in town to for the opening. And we're like stalling the meeting so that the guys can get them completely welded so we can pour beer. The temperature of the chiller goes down. So the temperature of the beer wasn't even ready to serve. So it comes, it's coming out all foamy. Like this is the day of opening, right? Uh. You know, so like when we were in construction, the north wall of the building fell into the street, the whole wall, <laughs> you, you know, and there's a huge power line right there, right? So this utility company has to opine and it's three weeks before they opine and, you know, so delay after delay, you know, you got to be able to adapt because there's always a new challenge every single day. And I think that you're like, the, the journey is so important because your analogy was amazing and that you just don't take it square on in the nose anymore. You know how to adapt to kind of what's coming. How do you adjust, you know, in that time frame when you go back to those stresses? Like, 
okay, we just had a, a wall collapse and fall in the street and there's power lines. Were there those moments, like, were there those moments of, is this even worth it? What are we doing? And then how do you work through those? Or is there something you do outside of work that can you can like, okay, this is a release at least to, to compartmentalize it a bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I can't comment for Eric. I know he would say, I mean, there was a hundred times that I'm like, what did we get ourselves into? Why, why are we doing this? I used to make a very good living doing something that, you know, I was fictitiously trading paper at the end of the day. It's all digital, right? But it brings you back to like, you have this vision in this brand, you have this vision in this business model, you have this vision in this lifestyle that you're trying to create. And if you truly believe in it, it's a much better, more accomplished feeling, you know, doing it for yourself, doing it together with the partners and employees and things like that than it is, you know, punching a clock at a bank or a hedge fund, even though they paid you a lot of money to do it. It just wasn't satisfying. It just it's it's like my dad builds is a, owns a remodeling construction company and he you know he builds things for a living and like ah oh, I have this tangibility of this thing being built. Well, it's it's very similar to brewery. Like just the different stages we've gone through, the different growth modes, different pieces of equipment, the different challenges that we that we've solved over time. You know, and at the beginning there were challenges where we thought, fuck, we're dead. How are we going to overcome this? And now as a group especially our senior management team, Matt Schubeck and Eric Anderson, myself, we're just much better at reacting to things and understanding how to put priority on how like important or detrimental it really is. Because a lot of things are around in there and a lot of things never are as bad as you think they're going to be. And so learning to react to those things, I think we've improved dramatically over the past five years. And I don't think you do that unless you've gone through it. Like you and I don't think somebody can just come off the street and be like, yeah, I'm great. I'm great at React. Well, the minute you signed all these loans, all these leases, have all this capital and equity at risk, let me see if you still have that same calm, cool collectiveness you did when you were a W-2 employee somewhere else and see how you'd react to that, right? And it, I don't think you ever get that truly until you're in the shoes of doing it. Until you're in the trenches, right? That's right. And I've heard this thrown around a lot. And I, this, I think this actually applies to you know entrepreneurship as well is looking at, am I a mercenary or am I a missionary? And yeah. a lot of times we take those jobs out of college. We go to the big city. We're like, I'm going to make cash and it's going to be nice, but let's not twist it. It's I'm a mercenary and yeah. I'm doing this. And the sole metric that I'm good, uh, that I'm waiting my success on is money, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. My mental health, physical health, relationships, all that's out the window. Am I making cash? Yes or no? Yeah. And yeah. then getting into something else, which is more mission driven, where, okay, something happens, that's cool, because I got this passion behind it that I know I'm taking my right and left foot and moving them in the direction I want to go. And yeah. it's nice that, to hear like, okay, you were able to dip your toe kind of in that first water of being the mercenary, right? You know, handling other people's cash, doing that, awesome. And now it's like you're saying, okay, I took the loans. I got the building permits. I got to It's on my shoulders completely now. And then going through that and pushing forward and seeing that on the other side. So very, very cool. And kind of off that, right? I'm very interested. A lot of people go when they start an alcohol brand, actually making amazing tasting room experiences and brewery mm -hmm. experiences alongside that. It's sometimes that doesn't happen, right? It's yeah. a closed brewery or they just go, okay, we're just going to be distribution is our plan. How pivotal has that been creating these on-premise locations where people can come and enjoy the beer. How yeah. pivotal has that been to creating really product evangelists yeah. for the brand? I think a decade ago, you could create a regional beer brand and not have pubs, so to speak, because there were 
I don't know, five, 6,000 less. And certain areas are just dying to have something that's not. But mm-hmm. I think in this day and age, if you're not local, if the consumer can't touch and feel who and why and what you're doing, and you don't have like a, a local presence, a local you know partnerships and things like that, then it's really hard to get people to leave because of all the choice there is out there to say like, yeah, I want to buy that brand's IPA or whatever. Because there, and the truth is there's a lot of breweries that make really good beer. The majority of them in grocery make really good beer. You know, what are you really, cre- you're creating a lifestyle brand. You're creating a culture that people want to, you know, affiliate with. And sitting in that pub downstairs, we have newborns, we have 90 year olds, we have millennials, we have black, white, Indian, Asian, you name it. It's a pretty, especially for a brewery, pretty interesting melting pot in Cleveland. And it's a day dependent on who's there when. But we've tried to purposely make it open and welcome to anyone possible that we can. Because I just think, you know, a lot of times where everyone's at in life right now is just the, that human touch and element that just doesn't exist and COVID wrecked it a lot. People are just dying for it. People are lonely. Yep. And so to be able to just hang out, have a pint or just have a pizza, you know, half of our consumers come and don't drink beer, you know. So creating that environment, I think, is very important for our brand. And so we... We take it pretty seriously. We don't get it perfect every time, but we try to do you know our best. It's interesting too because well, one, I think it kind of gets to what we were talking about before offline, which is, you know, it might not it's hard to connect with a consumer if they're not the one that's posting on Instagram, right? Where yeah. it's like, oh, that's the only the online data, that's the only data we're seeing. But if we can see the actual no, we go downstairs and take a small data, our own eyes, and look around and say, this room is full of happy people all connecting with each other, enjoying yeah. a beer, enjoying a pizza. Okay. If we have the manager go and talk to every table, we're going to learn more than any like study, brand study, or anything that an agency can do for you. We're going to learn more just being like, hey, why'd you come in today? Right? Mm-hmm. And I love that because that's the type of stuff for me where I'm like, oh, that's the real consumer, right? Those are the people who buy it when they're at the brewery, they also, when they go to the grocery store, they pick it up because they've had that experience and they're able to tie that back. And like you're saying, I think the world is craving two years in your house was a long time in COVID. Like, yeah, let's just, we just put that out. Like, yeah, I was drinking beer at home alone, but that was not how I like drinking beer. I like no. going to the local, I like going Absolutely. to the local, getting a burger, having a half of Weizen, chilling out. Like, yeah. and I, I think humans were just so, you know, for lack of a better term, starved for yeah. that. So, yeah, variety, whether it, of opinion or of atmosphere or of like what we're cur- humans are curious. So to sit us in a whatever dark room for two years is not healthy. Right. And so we can get into as much you want about COVID or not at all. But yeah, we learned a lot through it there too. It's one of those things like I wish it didn't happen. I'm glad it happened. It's really hard to explain because we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about the people that actually work for the company that really cared too. Yep. That were willing to go the extra mile, that were willing to do anything kind of thing that really bought into the culture. I, that helped us a ton coming out of it. Uh, we won Ohio City Small Business of the Year. And off the record, I don't think anybody voted for anyone else just because of the things we did and gave back to the community during the time. So, you know, we Eric, if he was on this with me, he'd say, well, you know, we have this motto, give it till it hurts. And giving while we were during COVID really hurt. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like there's a bunch of extra cash shooting around, right? So uh, it was a really interesting time. But anyway, I, I don't want to go down to that unless you want to, but... 
No, it's 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 a good thing. And I think it's uh, important for any entrepreneur, anybody, honestly, to look back at those times and say, what was the so what were the silver linings, right? What were the things we can take and apply? What's the gratefulness I can apply? And it's probably, you know, am, can I be? Does it just fuel the mission now? Now that we you know we're on the other side of that hill, even more giving until it hurts and cash and COVID and not a fun time. Now I want to talk a little bit about okay, the. Market's wild. Cap money's expensive. There is all these mantras of, you know, grow or die, or you got to continue growing and you got to do that. How are you approaching? I know you got a couple locations, you get the beer there. Now, how are you approaching kind of like the next phases of growth, but also being cognizant of the fact that like, okay, going and doing a, a new build might not be in the cards, you know, in the short term. Mm -hmm. I think we're approaching it. I don't know. I bet I see 50 deals a month of various different types, right? So I think we're being very selective, but it, I think at the end of the day, the partnership needs to be strategic and more than just leasing a space. So XYZ you know, developers building a new spot in Tampa and they need a lease, that's not our partnership. It's can they help tangentially give back to our business in a greater way than just we signing a lease and them giving us TI dollars. So we're scrutinizing that quite a bit. We realigned our distribution partnerships and so now Heidelberg distributing has our entire footprint in the state of Ohio, which has been huge for us, not only on the saucy side, but cartridge brewing that we bought, we rebranded it and they took the rights in certain areas of you know Southern Ohio for those guys. So, you know, we have a, you know, 10 really strong contacts at Heidelberg that we're all rowing in the same direction together, being helpful, understanding that there are brands that are bigger than us and we get that, but we're not an afterthought and just aligning that, those strategically distributed across the state helped us a ton and is helping us a ton. We're depending on the week, second or third fastest growing craft brewer in the top 50 in the state. We get IRI data on a basically every two week basis. So depending on the period you look at any time from uh, March on, we have the fastest growing variety, uh, IPA variety pack in the entire state in top 50 breweries. So some of it's branding, some of it's the partnership with Heidelberg and Align. And then, you know, the like physical locations we're looking at right now are very data-driven. We've kind of employed the wrong word, but started to partner with, you know, we kind of had our own internal, uh, you know, algorithm, I'll call it. And I, you know, invest and build whatever commercial real estate, but we're trying to take that a little step further in terms of, you know, what data is being provided to us to help decide even like what side of the street you're right. on makes a lot of difference. Where's the cell phone traffic? Where's And then some of the partners are very strategic from a real estate perspective and what they can provide versus just a lease. We would love to open 10 if I had the capital to do so tomorrow. I think there are 10 great locations to do right now. It's just being very selective, knowing that if I had to raise $20 million right now to open 10 pubs, I don't think that I could do it. We're not quite there yet. So it's turning down a lot more deals than, I, than we'd like to really at the end of the day. Is there anything in those deals that makes something like a knockout a location. And I'll just give you context on that. We had a guy here on the show who owned a bunch of wing stops and he signed on and he learned really quickly. He said, oh, I learned very quickly that if I was within the shopping center of a Costco or a grocery store, that was going to be a profitable wing stop. And if it was not, I was going to be at a break even or lose money. He said it was the one, he said, we have all these metrics and all these data, but at the end of the day, I need to be close to a grocery store because people who just walked around food for 40 minutes are, are hungry. Mm -hmm. And is there any kind of metric like that for you or, or a North Star where you're like, 
Yeah, I, I would say like we do a ton of stuff just like that, thinking about just things just like that. I think it's being in areas there are more breweries, other breweries, mm. or or other bars and restaurants that serve craft beer. The notion of not wanting to be next door to whatever Stone Brewing is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Just ask McDonald's and Burger King, right? So we look for that quite a bit. That isn't the end all be all, but it helps for sure because people that go to breweries and love to experience craft beer like to go to multiple breweries and experience multiple places. So like if, if I could put myself next to Treehouse in Massachusetts where people wait in line two and a half hours to buy eight or nine dollar cans of beer, I would do it tomorrow. I, I wouldn't do any other research other than put my I know I'm next to Treehouse because they're gonna come check me out, right? So there's a bunch of stuff we look at. It's not that simple, right? But that's a huge indicator. I love that. And that kind of speaks too to like being an ally to the community and to the consumer versus like, oh, I'm going to isolate and I'm going to you know, maximize the single sale versus maybe not maximizing my customer value and the customer experience where if I can give them close proximity, they can now can Uber once walk around. So there's not a whole I'm going to drink and drive around the city component. So that, yeah, that's brilliant. I love hearing those little things like that. Well, I mean, think about like, I mean, people have limited amount of time. So if you got to go to this disparate place out on a farm, it's pretty cool. But that's the one thing you're doing that day. Mm-hmm. You know, again, curiosity. Humans are, and I'm sorry. You know, we the last 50 years we built this country around cars, but people like to walk and be around humans. And just look at like a stupid example is Disney, which I hate going to Disney, but kids like going to. Right? Everything's condensed. Every walks to everything. You know, look at Asheville. There's 50 breweries downtown Asheville. You know, so and they all succeed and they all do well. Whether we think it's right or people like to be around people. Oh, that's why we all talk about Euro, our European summer vacations. And it's like, 100%. oh, it's all walkable. And there was a bar down the road. It's like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and we just hopped on a train and we are down to the next country. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. No, I'm with you. So, and, and that's how people are developing now, too. Like, they've rethought that whole process. Yeah, I love it. And I that's a silver lining, actually, from COVID, too, we've seen here is like in Los Angeles, outdoor dining become a huge thing and restaurants with connected patios. And I think the experience is better now. I'm like, oh, this is better. Like, I love this. I'm sitting outside having a beer and it's really cool. Now, Brent, before I let you go, let people know one, where they can, you know, find the beer and then two, where they should follow you all online. Yeah. So right now we're really only in the state of Ohio. There's a third party that you can have beer shipped but shipping that dense of a product becomes very expensive. So you really got to want that $20 six pack to be shipped it to California. But in Ohio, we're in most major grocery chains, Giant Eagles, Heinen's, Meyer, some Kroger. We still have work to do on convenience stores. We still have work to do in Kroger. We still have work to do in Walmart and Target. Um, we have six pubs. So two in Cleveland, one in Sandusky, Ohio, which is a little lake town on Lake Erie, one in Columbus, the state capital. And there's a little tiki bar at an island called Putin Bay. I don't know if you know anything about Ohio, but there's a great little island in the middle of Lake Erie that people party at. Nice. Saucy Brew Works, uh, the Instagram handle is just sauce, at Saucy Brew Works. We're Instagram, Twitter, linked. We're up in our TikTok game on purpose. Consumers go in there. I'm trying to think other than that. Oh, we have a coffee business as well. We started little coffee shops because just really the simple premise of lifestyle brand and you pay your lease no matter what hour of the day it is. So now you know we're open at 7 a.m. and, and those have grown quite a bit over the last five years. And we have an e-commerce business that we sell coffee on, on Amazon. So you'll see us proliferate more and more on e-commerce of like the whole foods and stuff of the world, Drizzlies. 
it's a very complicated process that takes a lot of time, but there's now started to be companies that just kind of do this for you for a living. So you'll start to see us more on those big kind of websites as well. But uh, love to see in our pubs, first and foremost. I love it. If you're listening, go check out the pubs, go check out the beer and grab some of the coffee. Brent, thanks uh, so much for coming on the show today. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. Please hit those like, share, subscribe, comment wherever you're watching this. Uh, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. 